welcome everybody to the podcast tonight, uh, this afternoon, whenever you listen, whether it's night or afternoon or morning, we're glad to have you. I want to welcome you to our study today. I'm here with Kevin Clark. Uh, he's a member here at uh, the Church at Oak Mountain. I'm Bob Hutto. I'm, I'm the preacher here. We've been doing this, by, well, we've been doing this format, you and I working together for uh, well over, I don't know if it's over a year, but for a good long yeah. time now. And uh, we've, we've enjoyed it personally, mm-hmm. and we hope that what we've had to say in our studies together has been beneficial to those who listen. I, uh, I got my, my necktie out and put it on and noticed <laughs> I had a big blotch on it, a big stain on it. So I'm without a necktie today. Kevin's, he's, uh, he's got his on, and so that's, uh, <laughs> that's an explanation as to why. But uh, anyway. I'll carry the weight for the formality of the program. Okay, okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we hope that you'll enjoy our our, uh, our study today. Kevin, any Absolutely. introductory comments? Uh, just glad to have everybody with us again, studying God's Word, sitting at uh, God's feet and listening to what He has to say to us. And hopefully you're following along and, and studying with you. The book of Ephesians is a great book, very powerful. And uh, of course, one of the things we want to make sure we do as we wake our way through the book is that we pull out some very practical things that you can use on a day-to-day basis. And uh, we try to do that by challenging you, giving you some homework, some things to work on, and I'm sure we'll continue to do that. But just great to be a part of this format, glad that we have this opportunity, and uh, glad that we have the technology that allows us to reach so many people this way via this podcast. From the preacher's study, as we've said before, we literally are in uh, the preacher's study, and uh, that was aptly named, and hopefully it's something that you can spread the word, get other people engaged in, and I've had some people ask about whether or not we've got it up on the, the Apple iTunes list or podcast list. And Mark says uh, yes. Okay, we do. All right, fantastic. Good. Yeah. That's great, because I've had some questions along those lines. Yeah. But, and I think there are other ways you can access it as well uh, via our website or the YouTube page. We have Mark and Jason with us. I alluded to Mark just a moment ago. He was right. telling me, yeah, we've got it up on that on that site. And so we're glad to have them and uh, couldn't do it without them, as we've Amen. said many times. Amen. The book of Ephesians takes us from eternity past Mm -hmm. into eternity future. Mm -hmm. talks about God's eternal purpose, Mm -hmm. God to sum up all things in Christ and to bring all men into fellowship with Him through Christ, through the cross. Mm -hmm. The passage we're going to look at in in this session uh, elaborates on that, advances that idea, and it tells us that uh, all people, whether Jew or Gentile, Mm -hmm. are brought together in one body in Christ. That's right. Now, that has not always been the case, right. of course. At one time, there was a barrier that separated Jew from Gentile, uh, and uh, there were clearly uh, defined lines mm-hmm. between Jew and mm-hmm. Gentile. And so Ephesians chapter 2 is going to tell us how God addressed that particular situation through the cross, and that enabled Jew and Gentile to come together in That's one right. body. And so let's begin reading in chapter 2 of Ephesians in verse 11. Therefore, Remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you are at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, uh, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death 
the enmity. And he came to be preach peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit uh, to the Father. So we'll stop right there. there yeah. The passage continues. Sure. But the emphasis is on bringing these two groups of people together. Uh, and uh, you can get the sense when you read verse 11 that there was there's some an antipathy between Jew and Gentile. And so you say, see that, uh, therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called the uncircumcision. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was a sort of a pejorative sure. used by the Jews toward the Gentiles. Oh, they're the uncircumcised. Mm -hmm. They're outside the covenant of God. They're not one of us. And so there's this difference and distinction between Jew and Gentile. Uh, there were certain elements of the law of Moses that uh, the Jews practiced that really mm -hmm. emphasized that distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Circumcision. Yeah, right. They have the mark of the covenant. We, we eat uh, holy food. They eat mm -hmm. common food. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, we eat clean food, I guess I should say, instead of holy. We eat mm -hmm. food that God has cleansed. They eat unclean food. Uh, we, we, we are under the law of mm -hmm. Moses and keep the Sabbath day. So there are things like that. And so the, the, the thing that was the barrier between Jew and Gentile was the law. Right. The law instructed Israel to do the things that made them different mm -hmm. from the Gentiles. Right. The law required circumcision. The law required them to eat clean food and, and designated what food was clean and which was unclean. Mm -hmm. The law demanded they keep the Sabbath day. Right. And so the law was the barrier. Do away with the law, mm -hmm. you pave the way for both groups to, to come into one, into one body, to be unified. And so that's what Jesus did on the cross. That's right. Verse 15, he abolished in his flesh the enmity which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make of the two one new man, thus establishing peace. And so Christ broke down the wall. He, he abolished the law. He, he uh, abrogated the law, we sometimes say. He made it of none effect, made it null. And so uh, we're, we're not under the law of Moses anymore. We're under the covenant of Christ. Now that idea is... Uh, taken up in other places in the New Testament mm -hmm. and elaborated on. We want to we look at some of those. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, let's look at Hebrews chapter yeah. 10. Now, Hebrews beginning in about chapter 7 and 8 and going through about the middle of chapter 10 contains a long argument in which the writer contrasts the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Right. And his conclusion in chapter 10 and verse 9 is simply, he takes away the first that he might establish the second. So that's very clear language, mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. He takes away the first covenant so that he might establish the second covenant. Earlier in chapter 10, verse 1, the law contained only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things. And so uh, the law contains a shadow. The new covenant contains the substance, we would say. Why would we live under a shadow when we can live... Uh, in the substance, which is Christ. Amen. Can you think of other passages that might uh, address the well, you know, change of the law? Right in the same opening in my Bible, Hebrews chapter 8, let's begin verse 7. So for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would be sought for the second, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. I disregard them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, none of his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. Excuse me. <clears throat> for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their righteous or lawless deeds I will remember no more. Verse 13. In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. What's interesting is the seeds for this uh, transition from the first to the second is in the first. And mm -hmm. so he quotes the Hebrew writer of the Old Testament, looks forward to a day where, you know, you won't have uh, Jews having to teach other Jews about the Lord because the only people who get into the body of Christ have to know the Lord before they get into it. You're not born into the church. You're not born into the new Israel. You're not born into the body of Christ. You are drawn there by knowledge. And so uh, this is a different covenant. And he says, you know what, under this covenant, you don't have to worry about the blood of bulls and goats. Your sins and your lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. And your key point through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I like the way it says at the end, verse 13, that if you have a new covenant, then that says the old covenant is obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete, right. he says, is vanishing right. away. So I, I use this illustration, person buys a car, it's a brand new car and mm -hmm. it smells new and mm -hmm. it's nice and shiny. It looks good. It runs good. And, and he drives that car for a while. And then one day he looks up and he, and he sees well, there's there's new cars out there. My my when he said when he begins to look at those new cars, right. now he's driving an old car. And old cars need to be replaced. Right, right. And so when Ezekiel says there's going to be a new covenant, right, right. well automatically that implies this covenant is yep. old and, and old things need to be replaced. That's and so right. it's it's very clear. Amen. Hebrews chapter seven, just to stay in the book of mm -hmm. Hebrews talks about mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. priesthood of Christ right. after the order of Melchizedek, right. not after the order of the Levitical priest of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And verse 12 says, when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes place a change of the law also. Right. So if Jesus is serving as high priest today, right. Right. by implication, there must Had have be been a change. a change of the law. Absolutely. And so the law of Moses is, um, well, it's not authoritative for us today in the sense that we don't look to it uh, for the specifics of how we ought to worship or how is a person saved today and those, those kinds of issues. For example, and there are a lot of mistakes that people make in not understanding the relationship between the old and the new. Right. People want to reach back into the Old Testament and pull elements of the Absolutely. Old Testament and make them mm -hmm. uh, and bind them today. For example, there are religious groups who would bind the dietary laws right. today. Yeah. Yeah. And do they go back to Leviticus and passages like that that, mm -hmm. in, that, that uh, um, you know, di dictate what is to be done, what can be eaten, what can't be eaten, and well, there you go. We all, that's what we ought to do. But when you go to the New Covenant, mm -hmm. where you find that, that that no longer holds. That's right. And so, for example, in the book of uh, 1 Timothy yep. in chapter 4, yep. <laughs> Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. Mm -hmm. It's sanctified by means of the Word of God in prayer. Right. So it's very clear that the dietary regulations are no longer binding right. in the new covenant. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the idea of a, a separate priesthood mm -hmm. that stands between human beings and God. Now, that's very common in the mm -hmm. religious world, but that's, that's not a New Testament ordinance. That's, that's, that's the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. In fact, 
Peter says in First mm-hmm. Peter chapter two, <laughs> that we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood mm-hmm. to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So all of us who right. are Christians are eligible to offer our spiritual sacrifice mm-hmm. to God. We're all priests. Yep. And so that idea that there's a special class of priests that stand between man and God, that, that's not a new covenant idea. That's, that's a shadow that's exactly of right. the, the substance, the, the fuller idea that we find in Christ. Let me just it, yeah, add really that, verse sure. 9, same chapter, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now I've obtained mercy. So your point that we're all priests now, we don't have a special class of people that are segregated out, and they're the ones through whom we approach uh, God. We all approach God through Jesus Christ. And so uh, certainly there's been a change in the law. You may drive down the road on some certain Saturday and see that there are people worshiping on the Saturday, Mm -hmm. the seventh Mm -hmm. day, the Sabbath day, even today. But Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, a passage very similar to Ephesians chapter 2, says that, Christ has canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. Mm -hmm. I believe he's talking about the Mm -hmm. law of Moses Mm -hmm. there. He speaks about circumcision earlier in that passage. And in verse 16, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink. We saw that a moment ago. Or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belonged to Christ. And so we follow the example of the early church and meet on the first day of the week. Uh, The Sabbath is an Old Testament Mm -hmm. ordinance, and the Old Covenant has been taken out of the way, and a New Covenant has been established. Do you think of anything else? People reach back into the Old Testament and use... Old Testament passages to, to defend. Well, um, there's always the controversy about instrumental music, yeah. and people will look yeah. back into the Old Testament and see that David uh, used instrumental music. There are many times when the congregation of God's people, the Israelites, would use instrumental music and bring that into the New Testament, and yet we're told to sing, and there's no authority whatsoever for playing of instruments. Uh, in fact, it's interesting that it was uh, several hundred years, I think in the 600s, before uh, churches began introducing instrumental music into the worship. And I think it's interesting that even though we have that example, we see that the church operated for a long time without even thinking about it. All religious people would call themselves Christians. So we have authority in in Ephesians and Colossians to sing. We don't have authority to play. And uh, certainly we can look at those things. There are examples that we can pull from. But as you say, we can't lift up that up from the context pull it over into the new covenant, and then say that justifies how we worship God. Right. So uh, maybe a, a passage like Colossians 3 mm-hmm. and verse 16 would illustrate the point you're making. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing mm-hmm. with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Ephesians 5, 5 16 yeah. says mm-hmm. basically the same thing. That's right. 1 Corinthians 14, very similar. Mm-hmm. But in the New Testament, we find churches singing. And so that's what we do. At Oak Mountain, that's what we're going to do. We're going to follow what we find in that regard in the New Testament. That's why we sing without the accompany of instruments. And so that's an Old Testament ordinance, an Old Testament practice, and we're committed to following the teaching of the New Testament in those matters. Well, our time's out. We appreciate everybody joining us today. We hope that we've been able to touch on some things that are are helpful. Uh, I think we're going to continue to look at maybe... 
a different aspect right. of Ephesians chapter 2 in our next session. And so uh, I hope that you'll join with us and tune in with us and uh, benefit from that discussion as well. Kevin, would you like to lead us in a closing Certainly. prayer? Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this wonderful day that you've given to us. Every day is wonderful that you give us life, health, and strength. Uh, thank you for giving us the abilities that we have uh, to give us the food that we need, the clothes we wear on our backs, the roofs over our heads, so many things you've blessed us with, and we thank you for giving us these things and entrusting them to us because truly they belong to you, and we're simply stewards of the good blessings that you've given to us. Of course, as we think about those things, they certainly pale in comparison to the wonderful blessings that those of us who have been baptized into your one church enjoy through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins and that great sacrifice that makes those, uh, that forgiveness possible. Thank you for the unity that we have uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ. We've talked here tonight uh, about the idea of the unity between the Gentiles and the Jews and what a wonderful thing that is. But that unity, as we'll explore uh, in our next class, really permeates the entire body of Christ. And we're so very thankful that we can truly have peace uh, through the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, that is the church. We thank you for this uh, opportunity we have to study the Word. Please uh, bless those who have spent time tuning in and have their own Bibles and are following along dutifully. We know that uh, your Word will not return to your void. It will accomplish what you please. We are uh, very confident that it's a blessing to all those who hear your Word to have spent some time uh, involved in this endeavor. And we hope that you continue to bless uh, Bob and myself as we try to present not our own viewpoints, our own thoughts, but uh, the very oracles that you've given to us, your words your wisdom, your understanding as recorded in the divine, holy, inspired word. Thank you for all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.